We're on a mission from God. Wendy? So I got that going. Darling? Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit sniffing blue. Light of my life. We enjoy your films. I am a human being. I thought they smelled bad on the outside. Welcome to Vintage Video, where we're rewatching the 80s so you don't have to. We'll be reviewing every major film release of the 1980s in real time, overanalyzing what you've seen and spoiling what you haven't. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. I'm Jesse Bayless. And I'm Richard Wells. And today marks the 40th anniversary of the release of Cheech and Chong's next movie on July 18, 1980. It was written by Cheech Marin and Tommy Chong, directed by Chong, and an uncredited scene directed by Dan Aykroyd, and was released by Universal Pictures. <laughs> Dan Aykroyd? Yeah. He wasn't even in the movie. Nope. Uh, Before we start, I wanted to relay some of my mom's recollections, having gone to high school with Cheech, or Rich Marin, as he was known at the time. His mom and my grandmother both worked at the school and were friends, and he was extremely popular and generally well-liked by everybody. My mom didn't even realize that he was Cheech until he already had a couple movies out on account of the name change, and someone told her, oh, you know, Rich is Cheech. And she's like, what are you, what? Uh, Because she hadn't seen the movies. He later went to college at CSUN, where Richard and I graduated from. And Jesse and I saw him in person at the premiere for Mike Judge's Extract, where he came as the guest of Clifton Collins Jr. The two were working together on a film called The Perfect Game at the time. Jesse and I were just post-production assistants on that show. And as such, we were not invited per se. (laughs) Yeah, but I, uh, I, you won tickets, right? I entered an online contest and won tickets to the premiere of the movie we worked on. And you wore Jason Bateman's suit from the film. Yes, uh, because the wardrobe for the movie was being held in the editorial office at the time. I actually wore Jason Bateman's suit that he wears to the funeral that ends the film to the premiere. Uh, I also had a a Cheech anecdote. Oh, let's hear it. Uh, my father worked with Cheech's father who was a hmm. police officer. <laughs> wow, that's that's hilarious. Uh, so and, we got both of his parents covered yeah. in our family history. <laughs> this film marks the first feature film appearance of Michael Winslow. Uh, this is also the first feature film appearance of Pee Wee Herman, but not Paul Rubens, who started with Midnight Madness and Blues Brothers earlier this year. He did have an uncredited role before that, but those were his first two credited roles. Speaking of people whose career started this year, we also have the third appearance of Phil Hartman, after Stunt Rock and the Gong Show movie. Did you find him in the movie? I don't, yeah. I don't remember seeing him. I hear his voice, but I I don't see his face in it. Is he in the film crew, people? Y- he's in the cast. He, he's the in the ca- cast. The he's cast the person that's the saving the day of the fake okay, movie. Okay, yes. got it. Yeah, his, his character name is also amazing. Uh, Chick Hazard Private Eye. Yeah. <laughs> but it's weird because it sounds from, when you hear his voice, it sounds like he's the hero. Mm-hmm. And he's jumping into a scene where the girls are saying, save me, Wamba. Yeah. So you would think Wamba would be the hero. Right. But there's a different person credited as Wamba, and it's the guy holding a knife on the girls. No, I, I think the Wamba is the, the the red guy. Oh, okay. So there's... Okay. I think I think Wamba. So the, so is it I didn't like think a he duo, was a like movie. a sidekick duo I, thing? I, I, so I, it's Wamba and Chick Hazard save the day? Interesting. <laughs> We're getting ahead of ourselves. Okay, sorry. Uh, (laughs) This is the second film in a series of seven Cheech and Chong films, preceded only by Up in Smoke and followed by Nice Dreams, 
Things Are Tough All Over, Still Smokin', The Corsican Brothers, and an animated film called Cheech and Chong's Animated Movie. Somehow, this is the only film in the franchise where either Cheech or Chong are referred to by the names Cheech or Chong. Really? Yeah. The first and last films in this franchise were directed by Lou Adler and Brendan and Eric Chambers, respectively, but the rest were all directed by Tommy Chong, except for Things Are Tough All Over, which was directed by Thomas K. Avildsen, who was this film's editor. Immediately following its release, development began on a sequel to be titled Riding High, but it was eventually abandoned. Presumably it would have picked up where the events of this film left off, but we'll get to that later. We start with a big animated joint floating in front of the earth like a spaceship for the title card and then we fade to live action cheech and chong are discreetly carrying a trash can to a gas station <laughs> uh, to siphon gas from a tow truck chong chokes on the taste once he gets it going and cheech fishes some newspaper out of the can and i assumed that was all the trash that they had left in this can but when it's totally full it's like overflowing with yard waste um and but, for whatever well, and it's totally full this yeah. is like a probably a 50 gallon trash can yeah. easily and, and the this, two of them are just carrying it with one hand each well but there's also no way that there's 50 gallons in this tow truck tank mm-hmm. yeah and also they just couldn't pick it up there's no way they could pick it up it has to be like even if it was just water in this can it has to have a false bottom because there's no way they could lift this full trash can full of water they didn't bring back the hose that they siphoned it with so when they when they get to their car, they're literally just dumping the gas into their tank, like just pouring it over the whole back of the car. Yeah, well, half over themselves. Yeah, and, yeah. But uh, it's clearly just water when they're doing it. But a bunch of garbage and like milk cartons and shit are like falling out and clogging up the tube that they're trying to dump the gas into. When they get the car started, they back into another car on their way out, and Chong is criticizing Cheech's crazy driving. Cheech tells Chong to relax, so he starts rolling up a joint. And Cheech says, Man, I'm going to be late for work again. That is the fifth time I've been late this week. It's only Tuesday, man. <laughs> uh, Cheech tells Chong to get a job, or at least sell some of his weed, and he says that he sold two lids last night to himself. Gee, man, we're going to starve to death, man. No, that was me, man. I'm a good customer. <laughs> Cheech complains about the smell in the car, and Chong says that it's probably all the gas they spilled on each other. And then Cheech says, No, I just cut one. They notice a sexy lady outside the car, but uh, Chong thinks he's talking about an older woman on the opposite side of the car and is disgusted. When uh, when Cheech gets them straightened out, they start catcalling this girl. And uh, so she walks away and they back up to follow her before putting it back in drive when they notice a cop car directly behind them. Either this girl or someone else in the movie is Chong's wife, but I can't, I can't tell you which one because they never call this girl beautiful and there's multiple women that look very much like chong's wife right but there's somebody who is his wife credited as beautiful beautiful. yes but we don't know if this is her or not. exactly the cop's lights come on but he's responding to a call so he drives around them and uh chong finally sparks up his joint and the gas fumes in the car cause it to explode and uh, cheech says i told you not to light that man and he says you're the one who cut it because he thinks that the explosion is from the fart and not from the gas Cheech pulls the car up to gate one at the Universal lot. I know this gate well. I I drive through it often at work. When a guard tries to stop him, Cheech says that he's with the towering Inferno shoot, which the guard believes because his clothes are all burnt up. But he should have been like two or three maybe um, because this was too late to be in a movie that had already come out. We cut to the set of Wamba's Revenge where a couple of girls are being held at knife point by a bad guy. 
one of the girls is overacting very intensely and it's rita wilson like pre-tom hanks rita wilson mm-hmm. they didn't even know each other at the time yeah because the uh, volunteers wouldn't be for a couple more years yeah um that's so a, that's the movie that they met on i believe so uh, but it was cool to see her this young. I've, I don't think I'd seen her acting. Someone in... else Someone else is in there, too. Well, yes, yeah. <laughs> um, I guess we can say it right now. Elvira's yeah. in there. Yeah, Cassandra Peterson. Yeah. So uh, it, it, It's so funny because as we're going along through this, we're going to see like, oh, this makes sense why Cassandra Peterson was in Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Yeah. And Phil and Hartman why, was in Peter, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. And why Edie McClurg is in a bunch of Elvira stuff. Like, yeah. it, there, there's just all over the place. She was also on Pee-wee, too. Right, yeah. Well, she was in the HBO special, yeah. They pause for a moment before they start rolling on on Wamba's revenge. Although they they do hold for a moment because someone calls out that they need to fix a shiny ass on set. Shiny ass over here. Shiny Shiny ass. Uh, The director gives them their line, help me, Wamba. And they prep for a take and they clap a slate that says that this is scene 69, take one of Wamba's revenge. It's being directed by Psy Baby. And the DP is listed by the name prince and then the gay f word which is clearly a reference to this film's dp being king baggett they have prince f word cheech calls out to his lady friend who's apparently working the set when the take begins we can hear a hero uh which is the the phil hartman character we hear Mm -hmm. his voice but uh, we never see him we just hear him saving the day uh this is his only part in the film unfortunately just the voice in the background when Cheech gets the girl's attention, she comes over to meet him, and the crew is repeatedly yelling, quiet on the set, as the two talk in the back of the room. He asks her to hook him up with new clothes because his are clearly destroyed. Uh, she says, aren't you supposed to be at work? And he makes up a story about seeing a baby in a burning building. And uh, he says, I rescued a burning baby, and I got burning baby all over me, and that's what happened to my clothes. <laughs> as he's leaving, Cheech encounters Red Hulk, who for some reason knows his name. Yeah. He says, hey, Cheech. Where's that woman supposed to go crash through? And it's like, who are you? <laughs> Why do you know me? Uh, but Cheech points at a random wall and he bursts through it onto the set of Wamba's Revenge. So maybe maybe he is Wamba and he was supposed to jump through this wall to save them, but just not right now because mm-hmm. they're not in the take anymore. Uh, Chong pulls the burnt car carefully back into their neighbor's garage and sneaks over the property line to their place. Uh, the neighbor hears Chong knock over a watering can or something and chews Chong out for ruining the neighborhood. Cheech takes a van to Universal, and this time when the guard asks for a pass, he says, Pass? Sure, thanks a lot. Uh, We cut back to Chong at the house. Despite their apparent personal gas shortage, Chong is riding a chopper in the house, blasting exhaust fumes at the neighbor's garden through a pipe in the window. He moves to the counter and dumps a jar of roaches. By roaches, I mean the tail ends of joints. (laughs) uh, But one of them is an actual insect which is the biggest thing that he dumped on the counter, so he loads up his pipe and just smokes the fuck out of this bug. It's not actually a roach, though. This bothered me because it was just like a black beetle, yeah. and it was definitely not a roach. Well, well you don't want to smoke a, an it, actual and does roach. does he actually kill it? it looks, I think he it, does. I think he smashes it with his hand, but yeah. this is one of the one of those species that I don't care that you smashed it in You're allowed movie. to kill bugs in movies. Yeah. I, it bothers me a little bit when you cut off a snake's head or... What else have we when seen? The horses tumble over themselves and probably or break Or run limbs. through windows. Yeah. Yes. Because um, <laughs> they'll uh, only do it once. <laughs> but yeah, smashing a bug I can deal with, I think. Chong chokes pretty hard on this bug, but then he goes right back to smoking it. He starts to play an electric guitar, and he keeps cranking the amp up until his neighbors are in physical pain. The entire neighborhood is reacting to this. Even dogs are, like, laying down and covering their ears. His neighbor was trying to teach a piano lesson, 
Uh, and that's not going to happen now. Cheech backs into their driveway and he scrambles into the house to unplug the amp. Uh, and the whole thing kind of explodes when he unplugs it. He takes Chong outside to show him the universal loot that he just got. Uh, it's funny because this whole neighborhood is built on the universal backlot. So really he didn't even leave the lot. <laughs> um, but uh, but when, when he backed into the driveway, he, he accidentally dumped it out. runs sort of over his neighbor and the doors fly open, which he doesn't notice until yeah. he pulls the car away. And then he notices, he's like, oh no, we've been robbed. Oh, hey man, somebody ripped off the thing I ripped off, man. Uh, but it turns out that when he backed up, he accidentally dumped this. It's like a big slot machine that is just crushing their neighbor. And uh, they go to lift it off of him. And the neighbor's like screaming about his hands. My hands! My hands! Because obviously he's a piano teacher. He has very important hands. Um, driving through town later, Cheech makes a bad left and nearly hits about seven cars in the span of 10 seconds. They can't figure out why they're not getting any respect from these drivers until they realize that they aren't dressed right. So they pull over to mod the car as much as possible as the soundtrack plays Tequila by the Champs. Cheech swaps out the rims. Chong throws a magnetic heart-shaped window onto the side of the car. He peels away a big magnetic advertisement to re reveal an airbrushed painting of an Aztec warrior holding a woman on a mountain. Chong throws a shag dash cover across the front of the car, and Cheech switches out the steering wheel for one made out of like a chrome chain link, uh, maybe eight inches wide. And they lower the front and head on their way. Uh, Cheech teaches Chong some Spanish, specifically pendejo, which basically means dumbass, but he tells Chong that it's a term of endearment. They have a jump off with another car uh, with hydraulics, but Cheech is letting Chong control it stupidly, and so Chong obviously just never wants to stop bouncing. Well, I and don't know. I don't think that they're actually controlling. I think, I think Chong, he's just bouncing. I think Chong is just bouncing up and down to make the car bounce up and down. Oh, that, I thought he was actually like doing something. No, he's just. I think he's just bouncing because I figured this is actually company car there's no way that the company car has these hydraulics in it i was surprised that it had the aztec warrior painting on the side unless they did that themselves but they also lowered the front so yeah. they've, it seems like they've done some modifications to this car but the car continues to bounce until it ends up like fully in a family's front yard and they come out screaming at them and chong is like hey pendejos how's it going and he's like oh no you can't call these people that he's like freaking out about it and eventually they just drive away and they take out the whole chain link fence around the yard to escape. Later we see Chong coming out of his sister's house with a jar of yellow liquid. And Cheech is like, oh, can I have some? And he's like, sure. And he hands it over. <laughs> and when Cheech smells it, he's like, this is piss, man. And he's like, yeah, it's for my probation officer. Was well, he drink pee? <laughs> this line <clears throat> killed me. <laughs> Apparently he failed his last urine test because he stored the pee in a mayonnaise jar that he cleaned out about as well as they cleaned that trash can earlier. And so there were still like bits of mayonnaise floating in his piss and they thought it was a side effect of a new drug. He thinks this time it will really confuse them because his, the urine is his sister's and she's pregnant. <laughs> um, Cheech asks if she had any weed and he says, no, they're waiting on some to come in from Columbia or something like that. Cheech starts aiming for the bumps on the road on purpose to spill uh, Chong's sister's piss all over Chong. <laughs> and uh, eventually to get him to stop, he whips out a huge bag of what is presumably cocaine. Cheech asks for a hit of it, but Chong says that he doesn't want to ruin his life. Cheech says, can I just smell some? And when Chong agrees to that, Cheech just buries his face in it, only to realize he just took a huge hit of laundry detergent, which we already saw happen once this year in <laughs> Rhodey. Um, 
the reaction was pretty much the same yeah. too. <laughs> I I feel like he the space coke reaction was the was the roadie reaction. Yeah, the roadie reaction. <laughs> that was the only time I laughed in that movie. Yeah, <laughs> the guy's just dying in the laundromat. To get the taste out of his mouth, he grabs the urine jar away from Chong and starts drinking it before he realizes what it is. And then he like he hands it back, but then it's burning his nostrils, and so he has to drink it again. So he just keeps taking this jar and then being grossed out that he drank it over and over again. But then there's like bubbles coming out of the side of the yeah, car because he's drive got all away. this detergent in his mouth and he's just spitting <laughs> oh up bubbles into the car. The next morning, Cheech wakes up in his tidy whities and uh, he grabs a beer in the kitchen. He gets a shirt out of the fridge like you do. Uh, <laughs> when he looks out the window, he freaks out because the van is gone. Uh, apparently, he's not supposed to take it home, and now it's been ripped off, and he's freaking out. Chong wakes up while Cheech is panicking, and he goes to wash his face off with the fish tank water. It's pretty gross fish tank water, too. Uh, Chong is sleeping in the living room on a door with a phone book for a pillow. And uh, suddenly their payphone rings because they have a payphone on the wall in their house. And Cheech makes Chong answer, offering to reward him with his last tie stick. And Chong answers it immediately and then hands it back to Cheech like, oh, yeah, he's here, man. He's like, oh, thanks a lot. Cheech lies on the phone about what happened while Chong heads to the bathroom. Chong flips open the toilet needlessly to reveal that it's overflowing with garbage. And then he moves to pee out the window. Just this scene was directed by Dan Aykroyd as he and John Belushi had come to the Burbank set to visit while they were shooting Blues Brothers. Cheech learns over the phone that he has been fired. The neighbor tries to salvage what he can from his garden when suddenly a stream of piss is pouring down from above, but he's unable to identify where it's coming from, apparently. Back inside, Cheech reveals that the company he works for took the van back themselves. Chong asks where that tie stick is at, like he's still earned it by just picking up the phone and handing it to cheech i have no idea what a tie stick is it's just it's like a cigar of marijuana basically but they actually like started in thailand we cut to the unemployment line cheech and chong trick a man and some children out of chairs so they can sit down when suddenly cheech's other lady friend donna shows up she works here and she directs for them to come around the windows to her office in the back cheech heads into the office and chong sits with more waiting customers in this back room Two scenes are playing out simultaneously here, all in one shot. We have a background scene with Cheech coaxing Donna into sex in her office, and she is understandably reluctant as the walls are windows to her office. In the foreground, Chong is looking at an old man who's laughing at a junkie who keeps falling asleep and then catching himself with a cigarette between his fingers. Suddenly, the man to Chong's left breaks into a guitar solo performed entirely with his mouth. Of course, this character is played by Michael Winslow, pre-Police Academy, and his talents remain unmatched. Winslow pretends to snort a can of Coke and be a robot and other entertaining things. And Chong looks very genuinely amused by these antics. Like, even on set, he's just like, wow, that's really great. You can do that. I liked his baby impression and then, like, soothing the baby with a pacifier. Yeah, yeah. And then the dog and cat, like, the way he bounces back and forth between the dog it's and incredible. cat is amazing. Um, Donna's boss comes back looking for Cheech, and Chong says, oh, he's in there, man. And uh, Donna and Cheech are having sex on the floor of her office. In the background, we see Donna and her boss arguing while in the foreground, Winslow is impersonating this fight between an invisible dog and cat. And then we cut outside the building where a cop is just leading Cheech and Chong outside like, nope, no check for you. Bye. Back at home, Cheech sings a wonderful song about Mexican-Americans. He actually has a really great singing voice. But for my money, the best line of this song goes, Mexican-Americans love education. So they go 
go to night school and they take Spanish and get a B. Chong <laughs> uh, counters with a song that he just wrote in his head that goes like this. And that's the whole song. It's especially funny because contrary to what a lot of people think, Chong is not at all Mexican. And so, I never thought he was Mexican. Is that what people think? I think people thought both of them were Mexican. Oh. Largely. His name is Chong. <laughs> yeah. I just, for whatever reason, I, maybe just because of the way he grows out his facial hair and, and the way he talks and everything, that he tries to talk like Cheech for so much of the movie that people just assumed that they were the same nationality. But Chong is like half Chinese and half like Scotch Irish or something like that. Born in Canada. It yeah, reminds me of uh, when you told uh, Mike Judge about our, our friend Carmen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's another extract story. I don't know if we should put that on the podcast. I guess we can. It's hilarious. Yeah. We uh, <laughs> we were doing the, the sound mix for the movie and uh, the assistant editor, or no, she was, she was the second. She's the assistant editor. She was the assistant mm-hmm. editor on the feature, uh, Carmen. And uh, she's half Chinese, half Canadian. Correct. And she was delivering a hard drive to somebody and the guy was like oh what does she look like and he's like i don't know she's like a latina girl you'll probably see her um she's should be in the parking lot now and and then our our supervisor was like she's not she's not latina and he's like what she's not and she's like no she's like half chinese half canadian i said yeah tell the guy to look for the half canadian girl (laughs) and mike judge just started busting up laughing i was like great i got him to laugh (laughs) but yeah uh while uh, while Chong is continuing to to workshop the Beaners song, Cheech goes to answer the phone, and it's Donna. And apparently, she's not upset about what happened at work today, where where she definitely got fired. And he invites her over for dinner tonight, and she accepts. He says, "I'll be waiting with balls on," <laughs> <laughs> which is a great line. He rushes Chong out the door when the phone starts ringing again, and this time it's his cousin Dwayne. He wants to meet up with Cheech, and he needs money. But uh, Cheech sends Chong in his place and tells him, oh, Dwayne's got a bunch of money and he loves to party. So you hang out with him all night and I'm going to have Donna here. And he's like, oh, you want me to bring him back? He's like, no, no, no. It's just he wants to go to concerts and clubs and stuff. You guys will be fine. Chong hitches a ride with a leather man on a motorcycle to Dwayne's hotel as Macho Man plays. More times in this movie than in the Village People movie (laughs) earlier this year, bizarrely. Uh, Leather Man offers Chong a drink, but he answers maybe next time. Actually, I appreciate that they even make the point that Chong hasn't been leading him on because mm-hmm. when they get there, he says, you sure you don't want that drink? And he says, no, man, maybe next time. And I believe him when he says maybe next time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, all right. And then he leaves. Uh, on his way up the steps to the Hollywood Hotel, a wino says, how you doing there, man? Have a good time. Merry Christmas. How you doing there, man? Have a good time. Merry Christmas. <laughs> In the lobby, Dwayne is arguing with the bellboy, played by Paul Rubens. Dwayne mistakes Chong for Cheech which makes no sense because they look very different, but might also be a reference to the fact that people on the street have often mistaken Chong for Cheech for whatever reason. And well, I, will, I will mistake this cousin for Cheech. Yeah. <laughs> That's weird that you would do that. Weird. But he also says, I haven't seen him in 10 years. Right. So. You got real ugly, man. <laughs> uh, Chong learns that this hotel is keeping Dwayne's luggage until he pays his tab because he mistook the, the daily rate for a weekly rate. He called Cheech to bring money, but Chong obviously doesn't have any. And Dwayne says that people call him Red on account of his long red hair, so I will refer to him as such moving forward. Important note, Red is played by Cheech. (laughs) With Uh, a facial tattoo. (laughs) That's true. 
um, and long red hair and like a fur coat and lots of turquoise <laughs> yeah chong tries to reason with rubens but eventually they get into a screaming match and rubens starts shouting his trademark i know you are but what am i back at chong i know you are but what am i rubens moves to call the cops but red says yo let's go I, my luggage has a bunch of weed in it i don't need the police involved in this we cut to a room of the hotel where a white couple are doing sexual role play with puppets Chong and Red are climbing the fire escape, looking to steal the luggage back before the cops get here. They break the bars off a hotel room, off the hotel room window, and bust into the wrong room. The woman in the bed tells them not to lay a hand on her, despite them showing no interest in her. Yeah, and but she's trying to present herself to yes. them at the same time yeah. as she the says joke this. is definitely that the, the implication is that this woman wants to be raped by these intruders and they're just like no we're this is literally the wrong room we're just trying to find our luggage well um, they destroy the room in the meantime though. yes <laughs> rubens isn't having much luck getting the police to come until he says i think they're iranians which is a scapegoat that we just recently used jeff in used cars Mm-hmm. Uh, to to blame for blowing up the merchandise on Roy Fuchs' car lot on live television. I think we also use it in How to Beat the High Cost of Living at some point. Iranians? Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. I feel like, I forget if we mentioned specifically the nationality in Night of the Juggler for the, the bombing backstory, if they blame that on Iranians or not. Seems to be a general theme yeah. of 1980 that we like to blame Iranians for things going wrong. Yeah. Chong and Red get all of his stuff out and they leave. Chong has a duffel bag full of weed that he thought was maybe worth a hundred bucks altogether, but Chong informs him that it's worth more like $50,000. And Red says, well, there's a lot more where that came from. The cops show up and Red gets out a tape recorder because he likes to record sounds like this to scare the deers out of his field, (laughs) um, just with loud sounds. The cops tell Red and Chong to get out of the way because they don't realize that they're the people that they were here to arrest. Uh, because they don't look Iranian, probably. and So at this point, though, I am assuming that Red is from far away from here because he doesn't understand the street value of marijuana in Los Angeles. I think he's just a rural guy. I don't think he gets off the farm often. Okay. But I, I, I don't know. They don't really make it clear where he lives specifically, but they do make it clear that he has a farm nearby. But uh, Rubens is trying to explain to the cops that these are the people he called about and then they arrest him when he starts getting really angry with them. A girl on roller skates stops Red and Chong and gives them flyers to an erotic massage parlor. This could also be Chong's wife. I don't know. But they decide to head right on over. She asks if they have any blow, and Red offers a sleeve because he doesn't understand. They smoke weed in the spa at this massage parlor when a girl comes in to ask if they need anything, and Red just pulls her into the water. Uh, which I'm surprised didn't hurt her because yeah, it's a pretty it, shallow it, spa. A lot of this looked unscripted. Yeah. Like them kind of throwing the women around. I, I feel like this, specifically this would have to have been scripted because you can't just pull a girl into a spa if she doesn't know she's going to be getting wet or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, it, it just it just seemed like oddly aggressive and like dangerous. Yeah, but uh, she's laughing about it. So she seems totally cool with having been pulled into this tub and then red pulls another girl into a second spa and red and chong start just running all over the place in this parlor they break into a private room where chicken charlie has a girl all tied up and he says he can't untie her until he has crowed uh, the girl that's tied up is named candy and uh, as they come in they're basically like helping her get undone and he's like finishing up whatever he was there for 
The parlor owner apologizes to Charlie on his way out, but he really doesn't seem to care about having been interrupted. Red passes a door where people are having sex, and he tries to get a recording of this too uh, to confuse the deer in his field when uh, he accidentally plays the recording of the cops from earlier. Suddenly everyone's busting out of all the doors in the place and out into the night, which is our second accidental massage parlor evacuation (laughs) after uh, Don't Answer the Phone. Yeah, I was just thinking about that too. Um, Outside, uh, one of the girls, Candy, doesn't have a ride home, so she asks if she can go with them. We cut back to Cheech at home where he's singing a song while ironing his clothes. He says, may sound funny, but I don't believe she's coming home. Uh-huh. Hey, baby, come on, bitch. Like, he gets, like, <laughs> mad in the middle of the song. Like, why is she here already? And he says, that bitch don't get here soon. I'm going to have to wait some more. <laughs> Red, Chong, and Candy wander into a music shop, presumably near the uh, near the parlor, and immediately start playing all the expensive shit that they can find and they're driving a salesperson crazy. At the counter, there's a woman in, like, riding gear, uh, implying that she is rich, and uh, Red flirts with her a bit before they, they mm-hmm. all leave at the same time. Chong starts playing the amp in the store, and he, he blows it before they leave, so they've successfully destroyed more property. But outside, they jump into the convertible of the woman that uh, that Red was flirting with. She seems to just go with the flow and takes them all back to her house. Uh, once they enter... Gloria's mom, played by Edie McClurg, comes down the steps and for some reason identifies each of them as characters from Wizard of Oz. So (laughs) Red is the Cowardly Lion, Candy is Glinda the Good Witch, and Chong is Toto, which I think fits really well with what they're wearing. Red pulls a saber off the wall, which he calls a frog sticker, and he starts swinging it all over the place. They all sit around a table for dinner when suddenly Chicken Charlie enters, evidently the patriarch of this family, and Candy is ecstatic to see him outside the parlor. Beyond calling him Chicken Charlie, though, and clearly recognizing him from the uh, from the parlor, they don't rat on the guy, which I thought was a nice touch. Yeah, that it's they're not like trying to ruin this family. They're just like, oh, it's you. And, and Edie McClurg is taking all of this very, very well. Yes, like the the, the intruders in her house and yeah. all the craziness that's well, going. Well, I think on. for her in her life, this is very amusing. Yeah, this is just a party. Later, Gloria is singing a song very poorly by the fireplace. And uh, Red tries to change it up with uh, with a magic trick. By the way, I didn't mention this, but Gloria, the, the woman whose car they hopped into, is Cheech's wife, or was at the time. Red says that he's going to turn a bread roll into a piece of fruit. And so Edie McClurg is sitting on the couch, and he makes her hold the bread roll wrapped in the napkin. And then he fashions the rest of the napkin so that it looks like a penis she's holding the head of. And he says, ain't that a peach? But she does not seem to get this joke and laughs anyway. Ain't that a peach? <laughs> We cut to them blasting down the freeway in a Bentley, smoking a massive blunt. It's like two inches thick. And uh, Edie McClurg is like, Oh, my God. I'm going to adopt you, okay? <laughs> like, she's just having the time of her life, and she's so funny. Back at home, Cheech has now ironed everything in his whole house, like socks and, like, ties and things. And uh, he's playing a mouth trumpet. So we hear, like, this sad song playing and then we don't realize until we get to Cheech that it's actually coming from his face which we had in what Mad Max and then as a joke in Airplane in Mad Max she actually had a uh, an instrument a, a saxophone well she had the saxophone in Airplane too yeah but that was supposed to be a joke in Airplane I don't think it was supposed to be a joke in Mad Max it just came across that way was it not supposed to be a joke I don't know it was certainly edited as a joke yeah 
Red, Chong, Edie, and Candy go to a comedy club where the, the first comedian being introduced is Pee Wee Herman. Not clear if Paul Rubens has been Pee Wee Herman the whole time or if he's just performing as this character for this comedy club. But this is the first theatrical appearance of Pee Wee Herman. He had appeared on television the previous year in three episodes of The Dating Game. But other than that, this was the first like widely revealed uh, footage of Pee Wee Herman in anything. But theoretically, he was Pee Wee Herman as a stand-up comic in general yes, before he, this. Yes, he had done shows in the Hollywood area, yeah. but nothing that was televised or filmed before Got this. It. But his first HBO special wouldn't air until the following year. Paul Rubens was a member of the Groundlings with Phil Hartman, who played the hero on the set of Wamba's Revenge earlier in the film, John Paragon, who played the director of Wamba's Revenge, and Bob McClurg, who plays Chicken Charlie in this movie and is the real-life husband of Edie McClurg, Gloria's mother. And John Paragon is uh, Jombie? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Phil Hartman, John Paragon, and Edie McClurg would all go on to appear in the Pee Wee Herman HBO special in 81. Uh, Phil Hartman obviously wrote and starred in Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Uh, Rubens and Paragon wrote the bulk of Pee Wee's Playhouse series, which Paragon also directed a lot of, and the two obviously played the roles of Pee Wee and Jombie, also Terry. I think Terry. Paragon was Jombie and Terry. Well, and I, Phil Hartman was Captain Carl. Right, yes. I also find it incredibly fascinating that he was a, you know, a, a comic, like an adult comic. Yes. That they actually just turned into a children's series. You know, like it, it was a joke that he was an adult comic making these absurd things, you know, dressed as a child, like being childlike. And then they just said, yep, nope, you're just going to do a child children's series. Well, apparently the the origin of the character was that Paul Rubens himself had trouble like remembering the exact like layup to a punchline. Mm -hmm. Like his memorization, he had memorization problems. And so he made up a character who would screw up the jokes that started as this Pee Wee Herman character who just was like a comedian that wasn't going to make it. And that was how how the character was designed and everybody loved it. And obviously, you know, it went very far. That's great. I love that in these movies too, like this movie, it's all there. It's all already there. The the gray suit, the white shoes, the red tie, everything's mm -hmm. there. And you know, and I don't think he was wearing the makeup that he started to later. Like he has like rouge and like pink lips usually yeah. as the character. Yeah, but, but the, yeah, the costume is basically set already. Yeah, I just love it that that by this time he's already got this character so developed. Yeah, he's so fully formed. The cameraman from the set of Wamba's Revenge was also a writer on Pee Wee's Playhouse. Uh, the only other credit that this movie and Pee-wee's Playhouse have in common is Chuck Rio, who is the lead singer of The Champs, who performed Tequila, which makes an appearance in this film while they're modding the van, but also in Pee-wee's Playhouse and in Big Adventure for a memorable scene in a biker bar. With Cassandra Peterson. With Cassandra Peterson. Pee-wee set bombs pretty hard because he's getting heckled by Red and Chong in the front row. Red takes the mic and wins over the crowd with a single joke and then he drags Edie on stage and she's laughing super hard as she tries to tell her joke and she gets it out but she's laughing so hard at her own joke and her laugh is so contagious that everyone just applauds her basically because <laughs> they just love her peewee asks club security to kill the men who got him arrested <laughs> earlier that day uh chong takes the stage and tries to redo the magic trick but instead he says i'm gonna turn this glass into a dick <laughs> <clears throat> <laughs> a female bouncer named Thumbelina steps on stage and grabs the glass in the napkin and just shatters it in her hands. She throws both of them out of the club as a fight is breaking out. 
Red is sitting on a stool out front when a patron entering hands him his keys and says, Hey, it's all yours. Take good care of it, buddy. Of course, Red thinks this means it's his car now. And so he and Chong drive away without their massive bag of weed. Chong is obviously very upset about leaving all this weed behind. But Red is like, no, no, no. Like, if you care about the weed, I'll take you to where I got the weed. There's a lot of weed. Back at home, Cheech is watching Wumba's Angels, which maybe that's related to uh, Wumba's Revenge. Precursor to yeah, Wumba's earlier Revenge. Film. Yeah. But this seems to be a TV show because this is an episode where Wumba's Angels are trying to find the killer at the Miss Nude America contest. <laughs> he falls asleep here waiting for Donna. And in his dream, she arrives and he throws her on a bed. But in the real world, he's about to have sex with a large teddy bear on his bed. When Donna finally actually arrives and knocks on the door, he tells her to get lost and then wakes up just barely too late, realizing what he's done as she's driving away down the street. Chong and Red catch the eyes of law enforcement, and for whatever reason, Red decides that he's going to start a chase and lead them directly to his field of weed. He has the field booby trap, though, so he tricks them off of this jump and they get stuck. And then he sets off a pack of fireworks around the car to freak them out. But of course, they're calling for backup now, which is just going to cost him this whole field of weed. Like, they're, they're right. going to come back tomorrow. Suddenly, a tractor beam is shining down into their stolen car. First, the beam is sucking up a bunch of marijuana plants. And then it dips into the actual vehicle, the convertible that they're sitting in. Red puts his hand in the beam. And Chong is like, get your hand out of there, man. And then he does the same thing before both of them just vanish. Back at home, Cheech is having a dream. Now inspired by the painting on the side of the van, the warrior lays the body of a woman on a sacrificial platform, not unlike the sacrificial platform from Blue Lagoon, and starts mourning the loss of this woman, but then eventually groping her corpse, and then he moves to have sex with the corpse when Chong is waking him up again. In the dream, though, Chong is wearing this weird helmet with horns, and then in real life, he's also wearing a weird helmet with horns. <laughs> uh, Chong tries to tell Cheech what happened, that they were abducted by aliens, and that they gave them space coke to try, and then Cheech takes a snort because he doesn't care that his friend yesterday gave him soap to snort and fully believes that this is space coke. And then he goes completely insane and flies through the wall and starts destroying their neighbor's house again before jumping straight up through the roof with Chong wrapped around his legs. And they fly up into space where they reach the animated blunt from the intro to the film and it flies away. And that's the end of the film. Our director here was Tommy Chong. Obviously, he's in all the Cheech and Chong movies. He appeared with Cheech and Fern Gully. He was Squirrel Master in Half Baked. That was the guy that was in prison uh, that... Uh, he made him his bitch, right? I'm somebody's bitch. <laughs> yeah. He uh, also played a recurring character, Leo, on that 70s show. And he just recently appeared as Alfred in Kevin Smith's Jane Silent Bob reboot in The Blunt Cave. He's the, he's the Alfred for the Blunt Man in Chronic Comics. Okay. He also wrote and directed and starred in a movie called Far Out in 1990 without Cheech uh, about an aging hippie looking for his family. I'd never heard of that. But uh, it's got Ray Don Chong in it. That's his daughter. Um the writer here was Tommy Chong and Cheech Marin. Cheech Marin was in Yellowbeard, Cannonball Run 2, Born in East L.A. Uh, he's the voice of Tito in Oliver and Company. <laughs> That's all I could picture. Whenever <laughs> whenever he was not on screen but but talking, I, I could just picture a little chihuahua saying all the lines. <laughs> yeah. you, 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 uh, you went to Oliver and Company over like the Lion King, though? Well, yeah, my brain just went straight to a little chihuahua saying the lines. No, yeah. I, I yes. like I like that. <laughs> I, I, I like that it, it's it's more all of I think company. he has more memorable 
dialogue in Oliver and Company than he does in the Lion yeah. King. Yeah, well, because and he and because he and Bette Midler's character, uh, yeah, have a relationship. Um, well, yep. and I think he, I, I think the difference is that the lines in uh, Oliver and Company mimic this character, whereas in the Lion King. He he's not doing this sort of that's true this sort of character, yeah. and so the the Tito character Tito is more of a Chong or a, is more, a, more of a, of a cheech. cheech. Yeah, than, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, he also plays the dock supervisor in Ghostbusters Two when the Titanic finally arrives. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he uh, we mentioned he's one of the hyenas in Lion King. Uh, he's in a bunch of Robert Rodriguez stuff: Desperado, Dust Till Dawn, Once Upon a Time in Mexico. He played the Padre in the Machete trailer. He's also Ramon in Cars. All three of the Cars movies, and uh, was he in the actual Machete movie? I never saw it. I forget. I've seen the Machete movie, but I can't remember. Yeah, but I know he's in the trailer because I rewatched it today, and I love that trailer. Uh, Joe Dominguez also on Nash Bridges, uh, and apparently they're doing like a TV movie or something because that was his top credit right now on IMDb. I just looked it up. Yes, he he's is also in the, in the Machete yes. film. Cinematographer uh, Nick McLean. This was his first time as a cinematographer. We have two cinematographers. Nick McLean, this was his first one. Before this, he'd worked as uh, in the camera department on Marathon Man, Exorcist 2, The Heretic, Close Encounters, and Being There. And after this, he was the DP on Goonies, Short Circuit, oh. Spaceballs, and Mac and Me. Nice. Oh. Like, eclectic mix. I was like, huh? Huh? Oh. oh. Yeah. You might be surprised to learn that after Mac and Me, it gets less and less <laughs> amazing. But uh, it's still very cool. The cool movies to have worked on. He insisted that they push a real kid off that wheel, yes. <laughs> off that cliff with a wheelchair. You, people are going to tell, I'm telling you. Uh, and he needs to actually be disabled or it's not going to work. He was also the DP for hundreds of episodes of Friends. King Baggett, uh, this was, I said, his first time also as cinematographer. Before this, he'd worked on American Gigolo and Defiance, two early Bruckheimer films that we covered this year. After this, he DP'd Dr. Detroit, Last Starfighter, Revenge of the Nerds, and Oh God, You Devil, which yeah. is the third one of that series. Evelyn Guerrero played Donna. She'll be back next year as Donna the Panties Gal in Nice Dreams, another <laughs> Cheech and Chong film. Ricky Marin was Gloria. That's the wife at the time of Cheech Marin. Peter Bromelow played the gay motorcyclist. He was the hotel manager in Wild at Heart. He plays Kafka in an episode of the 1968 Avengers. He's a butler on Briscoe County Jr. somewhere. He also plays Joe in Highlander 2, The Quickening, and a nobleman in The Rocketeer. Lupe Ontiveros plays Old Lady. That was her credit in this. I don't remember seeing her in this, but I know her was face. She, was she the one that they mistakenly he mistakenly thought was a hot chick oh, on the side maybe. of the road? And they don't show her close enough. Yeah. But she plays Rosalita in Goonies. Mm. And she's also Yolanda in Selena, the woman who eventually oh, okay. kills. Well Selena. then there there could have been any number of scenes with with a yeah. woman that fits that description. But she's she's great. And she also plays Cheech's mom in Born in East LA. John Steadman was the drunk at the welfare office. That's the old man who's just laughing. Uh, he played Ned McCluskey in Gator. And he'll be back later this year as Sam in Fade to Black. Shelby Chong was beautiful. She's the wife of Tommy. And I don't know who she was in the movie. There, Somewhere in the movie, there's a character. There's a one-man band. Maybe in the music shop. I don't remember. But the, the actor's name is credited as Don S. Davis. But it's not the it, Don S. Not, Davis that we know. Okay, I was gonna say, like, I who saw, is the Don S. Davis that you know? He was the the stunt double for Pete on MacGyver, who also <laughs> plays basically the Pete character on the Stargate series. Okay. Because Dana Elkar didn't come back to mm-hmm. play that part. Yeah, 
Uh, you, you've seen him and stuff. He he played Scully's dad in the, in the, the episode, episode where Beyond he dies. Yeah. Yeah. He, well, I mean, just saying that, that that he's that character from Stargate, I, I have a picture of him in yeah. my head. Kim Hopkins was the wardrobe girl. That's the girl on the set of Wamba's Revenge. We had her earlier this year as one of the pom-pom girls in Hollywood Nights that was wearing underwear. Mm-hmm. She was also young Xaviera in Happy Hooker Goes Hollywood in that little flashback scene that the film producer improvises when he's pretending that he knows her whole story. This was her last movie for 18 years because she took time off to raise a son. Michael Winslow plays the, he's credited as welfare comedian. He's obviously Sergeant Jones in the Police Academy movies. Uh, he plays a radar tech in Spaceballs, and he'll be back next year for Nice Dreams, another Cheech and Chong film. Marcus Chong played Johnny. I don't know who Johnny would be. You guys have any idea on Johnny? I don't remember any guy called out as Johnny. I don't remember who that is, but he is the adopted son of Tommy Chong. And from his IMDb picture, I recognized him immediately as Tank from The Matrix. He's one of the two guys that stays outside the whole time. Okay. I didn't realize that he was uh, that he was Chong's adopted son. Rita Wilson was one of the hostages. She's obviously the currently the wife of Tom Hanks. They were married in 88. Uh, she's also in Sleepless in Seattle, That Thing You Do, Jingle All the Way. Uh, also with Phil Hartman. Oh, and I looked it up uh, while we were chatting. Uh, they actually met for the first time on Bosom Buddies, but okay. they didn't... Uh, Are you sure that's not his first wife? No, it's Rita Wilson. Okay. They they met for the first time on the set of that, but didn't start a, a relationship until they met again on Volunteers, which okay. is what you said. Oh, okay. Because his first wife, he met... I guess he met her before Bosom Buddies, but she was in a Bosom Buddies episode as a waitress or something. Carl Weintraub plays the cop outside the hotel. He plays DeSoto and Oliver and Company with Cheech. Bob McClurg was Chicken Charlie. He's the husband of Edie McClurg. Uh, he plays a studio guard. Wait, in... she was married to her actual husband yes, in this movie? Yes, in the movie. Oh, yeah, they were great. an actual couple. <laughs> um, and he was the one that was in Groundlings with <laughs> yeah. with the rest of them. Oh, okay. And she just like kind of tagged along, I guess. Oh, my God. She's the star of that yeah, relationship. Yeah, she, she, she really like steals every scene she's in. But... Uh, Bob McClurg plays the studio guard in Pee-wee's Big Adventure uh, at Warner Bro- on the Warner Brothers lot. So it's funny because both films have a film lot studio guard. But uh, this one, Bob McClurg is playing that character. And uh, he's also Harry in Born in East L.A. with Cheech. Edie McClurg played Gloria's mom. Uh, she's also a groundling. And she played Helen in Carrie. She's back later this year in Oh God, Book 2. I think... Probably most people connect her with Grace and Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh, well, he's very popular, Ed. The sportos, the motorheads, geeks, sluts, bloods, wasteoids, dweebies, dickheads. They all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. Grace! (laughs) Um, She's also in a few Elvira things, and Mm -hmm. she was in Cars with Cheech. Uh, Paul Rubens is Pee Wee Herman slash desk clerk. He was also in The Groundlings. He's obviously Pee-wee. He was in Midnight Madness and Blues Brothers earlier this year. He'll be back in the next Cheech and Chong movie, uh, Nice Dreams. He does the voice of RX-24 in Star Tours and Max in Flight of the Navigator. Mm-hmm. Two very similar characters. Uh, I, was he, so, I was so upset that they replaced him on the new Star Tours. Did they really? Yeah. Why would they do that? He's still around. I, I was. It's all Because it's all new Star Tours stuff, but I That's really weird. miss him. Uh, he was also Penguin's dad in Batman Returns. Yeah, well, because he and... Uh, Frenchie yeah is uh penguin's mom who we just met at the 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 peewee's big adventure screening that me and Mm -hmm. hattie went to the midnight screening he plays amelin in the buffy movie 
which I forgot about until I saw that on his IMDb. I was like, oh yeah, that was a movie first. He's also Locke in Nightmare Before Christmas. He plays an FBI agent in Matilda with... He is great. Yeah, his partner <laughs> is, is also a, a Batman alumni. And uh, the two of them are just hassling his son, Danny DeVito, who played the Penguin, obviously. But yeah, they're pretending to be like boat salesmen or something mm-hmm. like that. He's like, there's no, there's no bodies of water around here. <laughs> Who are they selling boats to? And of course, he was the spleen. Yeah, I was waiting for the spleen. We also, when I worked at uh, Tom Goes to the Mayor as an intern, we had him as a guest star for an episode, but I did not get to talk to him while he was in the office. But my favorite role of his, all time favorite role, was Gerhart on 30 Rock, where he plays this crippled <laughs> Habsburg <laughs> character. And uh, he's so funny in, that mo- in those episodes. Doug Cox played the cameraman on the set of the fake movie. Uh, he played the beak in Carrie. He wrote for Pee-wee's Playhouse, and he also showed up as Mr. Murgatroyd in the Netflix Pee-wee movie, uh, Big Holiday, or that's not Big Holiday. What is it? Pee-wee's. It is Pee-wee's Big Holiday. Oh, it is Pee-wee's Big Holiday. For some reason, I thought they didn't both have big in the title, but I guess they do. Uh, Phil Hartman was Chick Hazard, Private Eye. You probably know him from SNL or Pee-wee's Playhouse as Captain Carl or News Radio. That's what he was doing towards the end of his life, mm-hmm. uh, which was unfortunately cut short by his wife who killed him in their home. Uh, he, I get disoriented every once in a while when Christopher Walken hosts Saturday Night Live because they inevitably do the Continental sketch yeah. where he's talking to the camera and they still use Phil Hartman's introduction where he's like, The sun is set. The stars shine in the sky. The night air is tinged with anticipation. And it is time to meet the Continental. But uh, that's a funny sketch. And uh, we also had him this year in Stunt Rock and the Gong Show so far. And he's also known for a couple priceless Simpsons characters, Lionel Hutz and Troy McClure. And he was going to be the Zap Brannigan voice for mm-hmm. Futurama. And uh, unfortunately, he, he was not around by the time the show was actually coming out. But uh, I think Billy West is doing a fantastic yeah. job with the character. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, and Billy West's character of Fry was given the first name Philip. In right the, in his honor yeah oh i didn't know that yeah. yeah john paragon played the director in this film he was a writer and director of Wee's playhouse the voices of uh jambi and terry i guess not the voice of jambi he's wearing makeup but yeah so it's not really a voice he is also the voice, voice. <laughs> that's true uh he also i did not know this until today he plays rj fletcher's son richard fletcher in uhf okay he's the one who's in the office with his dad and he's like you thought i don't pay you to think because that's what they're revealing that it's his son but we also have the other line where he says what do you think rj fletcher senior would be saying if he was alive today and he says help me i'm in this box i can't breathe in here help get me out (laughs) (laughs) he's so great in that movie um he's also the voice of dink uncredited in Spaceballs, and uh he also plays the economy flight attendant in airplane 2 and then the last credit I had here was Cassandra Peterson as the hostage. Mm-hmm. She's Elvira and all the Elvira stuff. She plays the biker mama in Pee-wee's Big Adventure. And she will be Sarias in Alan Quartermain in The Lost City of Gold later this decade. Yeah. <laughs> I think you were bringing up Alan Quartermain. <laughs> yeah. Alan Quartermain is great. This movie's a lot of fun. I don't think it's as good as Up in Smoke. I really like Up in Smoke. I feel like all these movies played on Comedy Central nonstop when I was in high school. They they might have, but believe it or not, I had never, well, I'd never seen this one up until we watched it just now. Uh, and I had only ever seen one other Cheech and Chong movie, which I think I watched about 
10 years ago because I was sick at home and it was on Netflix. Yeah. And, you know, I, it was that, it was open smoke and, and that one was okay. I think you would like it more if you rewatched it. I now. think I would like it more if I rewatched it. I laughed a lot at this movie. Yeah. I don't know why I appreciate this now 10 years later more than I did 10 years ago. I'm, I'm not a stoner. And I think I, a, I don't know. A lot of it is probably difference. just California culture too. That might be the case because yeah. ten years ago I was relatively new to California. Yeah. So uh, I had never seen a Cheech and Chong movie other than Yellowbird. Oh really? Okay. <laughs> Are they both in that? I yeah, knew Cheech it, was. Uh, they're both. They're both in it. Yeah. Oh okay. Um, and uh, I hope to never see one ever again. <laughs> <laughs> really? Oh, ouch. Uh, I. This one. This one is very like aimless. <laughs> I, this is. I don't think this is a fair representation of most most Cheech and Chong movies. I think Up in Smoke is actually genuinely funny. Stacy Keach is the bad guy in it, mm-hmm. and it has a plot. Yeah. See, the, the, this movie, I was just like, is anything going to happen in this movie? <laughs> it, it, there's there's really no plot to no, this movie. It's but it just was like, funny. Uh, wouldn't it be funny if this happened and then this, this happened and then this happened? And it was. And it's mostly <laughs> just a collection of like mini sketches that are very hastily scripted together, but. I think Up in Smoke has a plot the whole way through it, which is that they are unknowingly driving a, a van made entirely of marijuana across the border, and they have a bunch of cops following them, and they don't even know that there's cops following them. But there's a, there's an actual plot to it. And even like later films like Nice Dreams, which you will have to watch next year, and uh, <laughs> the next Cheech and Chong movie, which comes out the following year. Like there's, It's like the early James Bond stuff. There's like four years in a row of of uh four Cheech and Chong movies but um but yeah they're they're not all as aimless as this that that would be my one complaint about this movie is that uh like halfway through the movie I was like what is this about none of the scenes seem to affect the next scene there was no reason to take Cheech out of the movie and replace him with this other character I think he just wanted to be a play a different character and he's like how can we have me play a different character and they were like well have us split up and you meet my cousin and he's he's weird because he didn't want to just play Cheech all the time I guess. It's only the second movie. <laughs> well, they've been performing as Cheech and Chong for a long time they, before even the first like movie came Was this like a stand-up thing? Yes, yeah. Okay, I didn't know they that. Had al- they have comedy albums and stuff like that yeah. beforehand. Yeah. But yeah. It's a definite thumbs up for me. I give it a thumbs up. Uh, no, it's a it's a down for me. All right. Aww. I think Cheech also reminds me a lot of my dad. Um, <laughs> he reminds me a lot I mean, of your dad. <laughs> I mean, my dad's not Mexican. My dad is just straight Irish, but he uh, <laughs> they have a very similar build. My dad always had the exact same mustache growing up, and he took the world about as seriously as Cheech does yeah. in this movie. <laughs> and so I've every time I watched them, ever since I was a kid even, I was just like, this. I don't know why, but he just reminds me a lot of my dad. And they do look similar. But, uh, yeah. So I, I have it above the windows threshold. I don't know if Richard's going to agree with this. Uh, for me, I have it just barely above that threshold, though. I have it um, a couple up from there. Have it in 48th place for the year so far, just below folks and just above Oh Heavenly Dog. Okay. Just above Oh Heavenly Dog. <laughs> well, I liked it better than that one. Oh, that's right. You you didn't hate Oh Heavenly Dog like me and Richard did. <laughs> no, I okay. was okay with that movie. Yeah. Okay, Richard, where's this going? Uh, this is pretty low. I have this uh, just below Holy Moses, which is below just... Holy oh. Moses. <laughs> yeah, what is wrong with you? I'd much rather watch Holy Moses. <laughs> really? It didn't have a plot. It had more of a plot than oh. this. Movie. No, it I don't had ever scenes. need to see that one again. I don't ever need to see this one again either. <laughs> oh, I'd watch this again. I'm it completely... made me laugh. I didn't laugh at a Holy Moses. 
Uh, I didn't laugh at either. Um, uh, so which just puts us above To All a Good Night. Okay. Uh, that is, is low. Which is number 60. Woof. I think this goes for me just below Don't Go in the House, which is above Effects, which on your guys' lists would be way That's down really there. really low for me. But yeah. for me, it's <laughs> one, two, there. three, four. Whoops. Shit. <laughs> Thirty-seventh place. I think that's everything for this one. If you guys have any thoughts you'd like to share with us, we're Vintage Video Pod on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Whereas I've said before, you can find each of our full movie rankings for the year. We can also be found at VintageVideoPodcast.com. Please consider rating us on iTunes to help people find the show. And if you take the time to leave us a review, we will thank you personally in an upcoming episode. If you're feeling especially generous, you can also support the show through Patreon.com slash VintageVideoPodcast. And on that note, I'd like to give a special shout out to That's Basically the 80s Podcast. Uh, it's another great 1980s podcast. They have a bunch of cool retro reviews. You should definitely check it out. And they're our newest $5 patrons this month. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time when we'll be discussing Honeysuckle Rose, which IMDb describes like so. Willie Nelson is a country singer on the road, caught in a romantic triangle with Diane Cannon and Amy Irving, the daughter of his longtime musical sidekick. Is this like a actual movie about Willie Nelson? I don't know. Okay. I hope it's... More that is than he... Rhodey too. <laughs> well, I just don't know. If he, is he is he playing himself or a character? We will find out. All right. It would be funny if he's playing a character and they describe it as Willie Nelson is a country singer on the road. It's like, they yeah, do I, know, I know Willie Nelson's are, a country singer. These are people <laughs> yeah. submitting these things. Yes, They're terrible, true. terrible descriptions. <laughs> no offense whoever did this. I Yeah, sorry. <laughs> we leave you now with the trailer for Honeysuckle Rose. Whether you're uptown or down home, Nothing beats a day in the country. Willie Nelson is Buck Bonham. For 20 years, he's been singing to the country. Now he's living his own love songs. Loving you is easier than anything I'll ever do again. (laughs) On the road again. Just can't wait to get on again. If you know what's good for you, you'll look into what's going on between him and that female guitar player he's got. Wait a minute, what are you talking about? So you show me your son, and I'll show you mine. This summer, Warner Brothers presents something special. Honeysuckle Rose. Diane Cannon, Amy Irving, Slim Pickens, and in his first starring role in a major motion picture, a legend, Willie Nelson. Honeysuckle Rose.